Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a day of prayer. We are continuing our with our morning Bible study. All right, let's open up in prayer. In your name, would Jesus, Lord, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for the, the knowledge you give us, and that you give us understanding, and you help us to discern all things, and also that you've been teaching us about your ways, God, and manifesting new, not necessarily new concepts, but things we have never seen before or never quite grasped. You've made it, you're making it known to us. I just thank you for today, and I ask that you continue to guide us and you help those that are listening, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you, Kyla. Thank you, Promise. Yes, both of you. Thank you. Now, let's get to the Word. We're going to start with, well, we're in 1 Samuel, we're at the chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And how about we start with the first four verses? Who wants to volunteer to read that? Mm-hmm. How about you go? Yes. Now, Israel, wait. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Eben, Ebenezer. Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Epek. Epek. Mm-hmm. When the Philistines put themselves put themselves in battle array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was defeated before the by the Philistines, who killed about four thousand men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why do, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwell between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Uh-huh. Okay. So there's quite a bit in here. Mm-hmm. But the first question I want to ask is how do you understand the very first line in verse 4? It says, And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. That what the Lord spoke to Samuel will be fulfilled, or the Lord gave him other prophecies or visions. Okay. I'd also see that they heeded his words, and everybody listened to it because he was. He it says he was in Shiloh, but it says all of Israel, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel, meaning everybody heard it and. They all had the same experience, I'd say. And they had all had the option to 
they all have the option to go um, do what the Lord said to do and do righteously. And because somewhere in Matthew, I don't know where it is, but us talking about how he had come to tell the people that they're sinning so that way they could be judged of their sins. If he had not told them, they wouldn't be guilty of it. Okay. But he had come and told them that. So that's what he's coming here. The Lord, it was, he was making everything known. This is a sin. This is, you're not supposed to be doing that. That's wrong. But they decided to still keep on with their own ways. And you further see that in verse 4, when Eli lets Hophni and Phinehas carry the Ark of the Covenant. Like, really? So they were still working. <laughs> they still had not yet restrained them. They were still in the temple. Even after warnings of judgment against them, there was no change. Mm. Yes. So all that, yes, that's, that's true. That's good. Uh, what I was focusing on, though, was where it says the word of Samuel. Now, the, the specific phrase, the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, we know it's not Samuel spoke of his own self or of his own initiative. He was speaking the words that the Lord gave him to speak. So it's not necessarily the word of Samuel. It's denoting it's the word of the Lord spoken through Samuel. Right. So he was just saying what the Lord told him to say. We can go back as a reminder to chapter 3 and verse 11, right, where it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, and he tells him what he's going to do. And in verse 12 says, In that day I'll perform all that I, against Eli, all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. So it's almost like a, a, a call back. You remember, reflect back to this thing that the Lord said. It wasn't an overnight I mean, although you can't essentially see time just from this verse alone, if you go back to what you brought up, Bubby, about uh, in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 3, you can see how time had passed, right? Because Samuel is still speaking, the words that the Lord had given him to, to share, and it said none of his words fell to the ground. Right? Yes. Um, but also... Samuel was in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So it's not that he spoke of his own self, his own initiative, uh, what he thought. He was still consistent, diligent, and being obedient, following the Lord and saying what he had to say and doing what, he's, what the Lord commanded him to do. Okay? It's significant because that's how, uh, again, it's a pattern example of how we should conduct ourselves in life, right? Being diligent to be obedient to the Lord and being our God and we being his people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you also brought up a, another interesting point about or it was brought up about how Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, were still serving. They hadn't been sat down. They hadn't, no one, in other words, everybody had rejected what the Lord had said. And by everybody, I mean Eli had rejected it. And you see how it is playing out here. Mm -hmm. any, any thoughts or reflections or comments or anything else that the Holy Spirit revealed to anybody? Oh, oh go ahead. No, you can go. Are you sure? Yes, I'm probably just... You probably can see what I was going to say. Well, let me hear you say it. Yes. 
I was going to say, if you look here, it says they were the ones offering the sacrifice. I say they further can, Eli allowed them to get further into their sins by carrying the Ark of the Covenant. That was the most sacred thing inside the temple. So he further hardened his heart and allowed them to go somewhere in Psalms. It said they had offered profane fire and they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they got consumed. You can, there's a resemblance here because they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant with uncleansed hearts, so they died. Well, no, I would argue that the Lord allowed this to happen because he said he made very pointed stipulations on who can, cut, who can carry the Ark and what the priest should do before they carry it and what stance they should be with the Lord before they touch the Ark. Yes, but Because then, he dwelled there. So the fact that they made it all the way to the battle two, 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 and died there, it was like, well, the Lord is fulfilling what I said. We haven't gotten to that part yet, but oh, that's, <laughs> but that's okay. That's yes, okay. we're about so, to. So when you say the Lord allowed it, um, it wasn't like he plotted against them. Okay, their sin was. It was. Cool. They were determined to do what they were like, and the Lord had to fulfill His word. Yes, He, he does keep His word. Yes. However, he's always ready and willing and waiting to offer grace. Absolutely. He's always looking for that opportunity and the chance to do that for, for us, for believers, for people. Um, you do see that they're insistent and persistent on going about their own way, that they didn't care. They had no respect for the things of God. But you also see the people had no respect for the things of God. Yes. Who asked God what they should do? Nobody. What does it say? They they sought the Lord. They inquired of the Lord. Exactly. And then you see them also going go get it for it for us and bring it here. Like you didn't ask God his his what he what we should plan, do or they should do his counsel his wisdom. You didn't ask him that. You didn't ask him for his permission. Should we bring up the ark? What should we do? Neither one. They said go get it. Go get this thing for us. And, and supposed to be moving the ark like that anyway. Well, I don't know if they had it on the poles or well, what the what process. What she was talking about, I think, is uh, in Leviticus where it says how the priests are to sanctify themselves in preparation for moving the ark. And well, yes. yes, I know. So that, the same yeah, that checks out, yeah. But I, I meant more so in the, the process, like on the poles, yes. not a cart no, or etc. Et like, the Lord didn't want them constantly moving the ark from this place to that place for, without him saying so. He didn't want them to do anything without, without him his saying so. so. Right, that's what everything um, we're to bring before him. And I thought it was unique. It was interesting that they said, why has the Lord defeated us? Right? Where's that? Uh, it's in verse 3. Yes. Verse 3. Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? So there was also <laughs> a recognition that nobody could touch them. Unless, for some reason, they were outside of covenant with God. Well, before we get to that, we have to look at the whole ordeal, right? And you brought up an interesting point, which was how they well, they didn't have the ark with them. They hadn't inquired, started off. They didn't inquire of the Lord on what they should do. But here they are in battle, right? They just went out, well, Israel, and that's verse 1. Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. And then after they're defeated, they're like, oh, wait, no, we got to... Got to backtrack a little bit. Now we got to go get the Lord. We got to get the Ark of the Covenant, where the Lord dwells, and bring Him to us, mm -hmm. instead of us going to the Lord. Mm -hmm. In other words, trying to dictate to the Lord 
what he is or isn't going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it, but you see in there, there are already denotes that they try to do something of their own, their own self, but in going to battle without inquiring the Lord, without following his commands, his precepts, his, his rule and uh, authority as mm-hmm. the Lord mm-hmm. into the situation. And that everyone held the word of God callously yes. and the things of God. They didn't hold them in high esteem. They're like, oh, uh, go get the spoon. You know what I mean? Go, go get me my favorite mixing fork or something of that nature. Not the high esteem that is rightfully due God. But they still kept, wait, you guys shouldn't be able to stand against us. You're still trying to live in the old anointing, but you haven't done any of the things to keep it and maintain it. Mm-hmm. You haven't respected what the Lord has said, his word, but you expect the blessing and the benefit to be there. So, and when they said, why has God defeated us? It's not that they thought God was against them, but they were saying, why didn't he fight for us? All right. There's two scriptures I'm, I'm reminded of. One's uh, Psalm 33, 4, where it says, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But then the second being 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory mm-hmm. through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then continues says therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable mm-hmm. always bounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the lord this goes to exactly what the things that we've been talking about where it's a we have to let everything pass before the lord and do what he says to do the victory only comes in and through him and the fact that they fought a battle without him and were defeated well, clearly was no surprise them they they recognize the error hey we gotta we need the lord on our side but the way they went about handling the situation even after that still wasn't right Mm -hmm. it was almost trying to snatch the lord and insert him into the situation when it's not what he said actually they still had not even inquired of what they should do how they should approach it Mm -hmm. they were just trying to say sprinkle god onto the situation and Mm -hmm. think it was all going to work out in their favor but that's also a, an example for us in our, our daily life. Are we doing things out of our flesh and then expecting the Lord to still bless it? Mm-hmm. Are we approaching it in the same way? Or are we doing the right thing, seeking the Lord who is God mm-hmm. first, getting uh, the insight, the download, uh, the command from him as to what we should say, what we should do, and then carrying that out? In other words, being obedient. Which is how we should be approaching everything. Yeah, and sometimes, just a, uh, uh, an application of that, sometimes you can ask, like, if a situation arises or as you're going about your day, make it your custom and your habit to go, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What do you think about this? There are times where you will be able to be still and listen for the answer, but there are also times where there are cases where you cannot necessarily stop moving fully or for long periods of time um like for example i work in the medical field if there's an emergency happening i have to progress towards what what i'm doing right i have to go to the the patient and i have to continue to move but i still go holy spirit okay help me what am i looking for what's the answer help me to get this done and i work in faith knowing that he's be, he's there and he's providing the answer for me as i go Exactly. But other things, when it's like, um, 
how do you want us to manage our budget? Or is there, you know, then I can stop and wait and go, okay. I can listen and take the time. I don't have to go, what about the budget? And then, I'm in there. No. <laughs> be counterproductive. Know, take the time to listen. But um, in all cases, there's an opportunity. It doesn't matter what the emergency is. Open the door for the Holy Spirit. Ask him to come in and help. And yes, he's always here guiding us and helping us, but he also needs an invitation. Um, so back to, back to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. What happened with the children of Israel sounds a whole lot like Deuteronomy 28 to me. Yes. When you're obedient, specifically, Here's the blessings. In, in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 28, is the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. So that's the automatic expectation. But the other side of that is... Well, in this case, 4,000 men of the army of the field died. Verse 25 of Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. So the exact opposite. So you can look at that and go, well, were they being obedient? Here's the outcome. And it's not because God is fighting against them, but he's removed his covering. And the ministering angels aren't fighting for you when you're being disobedient. Exactly. They're not working in that instance, in that case. So obedience keeps the door open so that they can fight for us, so that we can have the blessing and the benefit. But if they knew the scriptures, they knew part of it, why didn't they stop and go, wait, if, if we were just defeated like that and we know the holy scriptures that say, exactly what we just read, wouldn't you think that would trigger them to stop and come back and go, okay, Lord, wait, hold on, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. what, did, what did we miss here? What, forgive us, Lord. Not compile sin upon sin. Not disrespect and disregard the Lord more and just go, hey, go get that thing over there and, and bring it here. Yeah, we know God, he dwells between the cherubim. Come on. Without once going, Lord, is everything Okay. <laughs> Am I in right standing with you? Joshua did that when they had the um, they were going into the land and they were defeated. They had been having victories, but then they were defeated. Mm -hmm. He said, "Whoa, what what's happened? going on?" And God said, "Hey, you got stuff under the ban. Just don't even come to me. <laughs> you there's there's sin in the camp. Basically, deal with it. Go figure it out." But he, his mind said, "Whoa, God has already planned and has something different for us. It's not showing up like that. Hold up." Holy Spirit, what's what's going on? Right, and there are other examples where actually all of Israel fasted after they were defeated. They were they were called to fast and pray and come back in alignment with the Lord and His ways. And you know that was like what a was either one day or three day span where they did this and then went out to battle and defeated them. So there's an ordeal of or an aspect I should say of. Coming back in, repentant, you know, humbling ourselves, bringing ourselves back into submission to the Lord or alignment with Him, and then continuing, moving forward in Him, not mm -hmm. sitting there and groveling over the the sin that we did, right? But moving forward in in the Lord and in the things of Him. Mm -hmm. All right, and somebody, we're going to continue in verse five. And somebody read verses five through eleven, please. 
And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come, up, come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who would deliver us from the hand of, those, of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. What was I supposed to stop again? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Nine. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, ye Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else know something about that? Well, why don't you share, sir? Wasn't there four poles that everybody carried? Why? How come these two only died? There two, was only two, two, two poles, but they're long, but there's four people. How come these two only died? What happened to the other people? Well, not just these two. There were 30,000 people that died. It doesn't say how many others. It's denoting, making a point, specifying that the word of the Lord is true. Specifically, these two, he said that Eli and his sons, so Hophni and Phinehas, were going to die. So it is making a very, stating it very plainly, making it clear. This happened. The word of the Lord was fulfilled. So I think that is significant. It doesn't say that other priests weren't killed in the process. Right? This is this is warfare. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. Things happen. There are casualties, and and that comes from both direct targets, but then also as in the enemy. But then there's also collateral damage. They may have died. They may not have. But I think it's interesting that you're noticing that. God, hey, if he says it, that's what it is. Doesn't matter how many other people are mingled in there. Right? Yes. Okay. Let's keep rolling. Well, anybody else have any other comments they want to make on that? Or anything the Holy Spirit's revealed on that set of scripture? I guess kind of trying to mend my previous statement that it was odd how Eli's sons were carrying the ark and they clearly weren't following all the rules the Lord said about touching it. Mm-hmm. And the Lord allowed them to go carry it into battle. I, the Lord knew what was going to happen and everything mm-hmm. about it, but it was also interesting, like, they were insistent upon doing it. And not that the Lord planned for them to die that way, or today, at 5 o'clock you're going to die. But they were insistent, so they put themselves in that position. I don't think if they took the ark, they they would have died eventually, but it wouldn't have been this way. God knows. But disrespect for the Lord and disdain for his, his customs and his ways cannot lead you to anything good. So you're... 
that person is devoid of wisdom, right? And they cannot help but drive themselves into situations of folly and that are dangerous. So. Exactly. I think uh, for me, verses five and six were, you know, stood out because there was the celebration of Israel that the Ark of the Covenant was with them for battle. However, since they weren't following the Lord's ways, it was, you could, you could, let's say articulate it this way, that it was just trying to psych themselves up or about, or hype themselves up about the situation. Yeah, we've got the Lord's with us, so now we can move forward. Again, trying to sprinkle the Lord over the situation and expect Him to bless it and, you know, when you have done nothing of what he has commanded you to do. You're living in sin, living in disobedience, essentially fighting against the Lord, but then you expect him to fight with you and for you on your behalf. But also that just the presence of the ark in itself was recognized by the Philistines. Mm -hmm. It says very plain, they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp when they heard the shouting. I think that's significant. However, it was all for nothing. And I say all for nothing because they were living out in disobedience, resisting, rejecting, rebelling against the Lord, but then expected to be blessed. You could, you could almost argue that that is this religious tradition. Yet you see that in the past with other victories when they had the ark. That the ark came in and out there was shouting, there was praising the Lord, there was worship. Even before the soldiers, right? The priests walked with the ark before the army. Or, or they put the musicians first, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not exactly what was happening here. You could argue, okay, it looks the same. It sounds similar. But at the core, it is not. It was not. Mm -hmm. And the outcome was very different. And you, you, know, you know, you could armchair quarterback this thing, hindsight, looking at it. And uh, say, how did you not think that? How did you think that was going to work out? Mm -hmm. How did you not see that that was going to fail from the get-go? Mm -hmm. Anybody else have anything? Yes. All right. I let's hear it. Promise. Found it interesting that the Philistines instead when Israel brought the ark of the Lord and of their camp, I found it interesting. I found it interesting that. They had said the gods instead of the God. Instead of God, the God? Yes, and they said gods. Mm -hmm. and then if the Lord brought me back to the earlier verses, earlier chapters where it was talking about Phineas and Hiphany, they're making the people not want to not sacrifice, but. They're corrupting people's sacrifices and offerings? And despise? Yes. Okay. Of the so I found that interesting in how and before in Judges where it was talking about every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm -hmm. So I found, just found that interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also like with that how Tiffany and Phineas made the sacrifices corrupt mm -hmm. that the people didn't want to serve the Lord, so all I could think of was they're going to other gods. Hmm. Interesting. It's an interesting point, sir. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, anyone else? All right, well, then let's move on. Someone read verses 12 through 18, please. Mm, I will. Okay. Thank you, Layla. Let's go, Layla. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on the seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Anything they want to say or share? So, also, how a boy was talking about how Eli still had restrained his sons, restrained his sons, and let Hophni and Phineas go carry the ark of God. I noticed that in, when in the previous chapters, where the man of God was talking to Eli about how. Never mind. When Samuel was talking to Eli about not how he was going to die, but about what he had seen of seen from the Lord, I found that interesting that Eli had repented, but instead of actually removing Eli and Phineas from ministry, he kept them there and gave them something more holy. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that if he had removed them, he probably will fell back in his seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of like when we tell you guys, hey, if you, you stop the trouble before it starts, you don't have to sit there waiting to see what's going to happen. Right? If he had not allowed them to take the ark, he wouldn't have had to be afraid for it and know that they were defiling sacred things of the Lord. He would have had nothing to be concerned about, right? Yes. But if you step back even further, if he had released them from being a part of the ministry. Restrained them, yep. And said, hey, you guys have to sit down till you get your, get your stuff together. If he had done that, he would have extra not even had any cause to be concerned that they were causing the, um, the people of Israel to sin. And the ark being moved like that wouldn't even been a thing. So you see how it's no different for us today as it was for them. The things of God is like, flee from sin. Don't even entertain it. Stop it before it starts. Because then you don't have to be an anxious anxiety. Um, I mean, waiting to see what's going to happen, what trouble comes from the actions that you take. Just do what's right from the beginning. Right? Yes. Anyone else? I found verse 13 interesting. And it goes on with what Promise just brought up, which was about how, yep, he was sitting on the seat watching. But then 
It says, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. Now you could look at it two ways. One, it being about an object. And now, yes, we know it's in just the ark, the the wood and the metal and and in the, I want to say brick and mortar because it wasn't constructed of brick and mortar, but the physical materials that this thing was constructed of. And or, and or you can, the other way is that he knew the Lord resided there. So he had sent, because he's the high priest, he had to give approval, permission, for the Lord to be sent to the battle line without him, for the Ark of the Covenant, where the Lord dwelt, where the Lord resided, to be sent. So after he sends it, though, his concern was for this Ark. Right? So this is someone who is a high priest, in other words, he is the only one, really, that that can go into the Holy of Holies in the temple and can access the Ark and annually is required to make atonement for the sins of all the people of Israel, sprinkling blood on the mercy seat. But you could also argue that he, in spite of all that, he took it for granted. He took the presence of the Lord, or being in the presence of the Lord, for granted. And now... He's not there. The Lord is out on the battle lines. He's been brought there. And his concern is for the Lord's return. Someone who has already stated that they would be in, in hell. That the Lord was going to judge them and they would be in hell because they had rejected him. He had not rest by not restraining his sons. By putting his sons in the place of God in his life. So I find that interesting and significant but also it's something for for us to check our our th our ways our spirit and see if that's something that we have done in our own lives right that we've put some something or someone or whatever it is in the place of the lord but then at the same time are anxiously awaiting his return or to be back in his presence. And if that is the case, then we need to remove that, that person, that thing, whatever it is, from the Lord's place, put him back in his rightful place, and come back into alignment with him. Anyone have anything else? Okay. Well, let's continue. We'll go from verse 19 through 22. Wrap up this chapter. Okay, I'll read that. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God has been captured, and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. How does everyone understand that section of scripture? 
what occurred, deeper things, what's the Holy Spirit saying to anybody or revealing to anyone? I found it interesting that how previously in the chapter it said that Venus and Hephni were exactly, they didn't exactly have one wife. So well, they had one wife. But they were committing adultery. Exactly. <laughs> you could say that. They weren't faithful to their wives. That's very true. Okay. Good catch. So not only were they defiling, you know, the the temple of the Lord and these women, it's bad enough if they were that doing that and they were single, but they were committing adultery. They were actually married and had family somewhere. Okay. Anything else? Not that there's little sin, big sin. No. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. But it just tells you how there were no limitations on what they were doing. Okay. Anything else, sir? Well, you just found it interesting that the wife didn't go, okay, you're doing that, so I'm going to divorce you. I found that very interesting. Okay. And knowing since Phineas was her, was her wife, she probably knew what he was doing. How could you not? All of Israel knew. Right. Anyone else? But even still, she didn't say anything. When she heard about it, she could have said, that's wrong. You need to stop this and this and this. Except she went along with, like, when we're doing something wrong, there's four of us. So that's four different opportunities plus the Holy Spirit three different times. Seven times you've been told, hey, this isn't right. And we live in the house together, so it's not like you can keep sin a secret. Like, you just... Not in this house. No. It comes out. But I also find it interesting. Uh, I don't know about that. We don't know about the household, if she, it was addressed or not. I would imagine it would be at various times uh, whether someone you could you could i'll say for lack of a better way to phrase it argue that that was yet another warning right stop the behavior right by his his wife his spouse he stops his behavior because it's hurting the relationship it's hurting the the household the family and then also as it pertained to um, i'll say his job it should have been ministry but it was a job, right, to go to be a priest in the household. There's a, a difference between ministry and a, and a job. One denotes that the Lord is there moving, or any job can be a ministry. But if the Lord's not in it, then it's just a job. Any ministry can just be a job. If the Lord is not in and moving through, that's, that's what separates it. But... um. I also find it interesting that I say without there was no concern really for the son that she just gave birth to, and you you find that in the name right? She named the child Ichabod, which 
says saying, but it also is what the name means. The glory has departed from Israel, or God has departed. So just think whether, you know, well, you are our children. How many times do we call your names throughout the day? Or for you and I, honey, and us older people, when we were kids, how many times were our names called? And then that's just being stated over and over again as a reminder that the glory has departed from Israel because that's what the name means. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's significant. Mm-hmm. And she says it again. The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily something we would want to be reminded of. However, that is what she chose to name her her child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not just she hears it or says it, but then everybody that interacts with that child mm-hmm. throughout his entire life hmm. has to acknowledge that fact that the glory of the Lord had departed Israel. It's significant. Also, I don't, and not to beat anybody down, but it it should be a reminder, but also encourage us not to let the glory of the Lord depart from us, from our lives, from our households, from our our family. Right? We should ensure that the glory of the Lord remains with us. But that only happens through being diligent in Him, in righteousness, in His ways, and in obedience to Him, in faith. Mm-hmm. When I came downstairs this morning and sat down, uh, I said to you all how important it is to what? Stay in the Word. Mm-hmm. To stay in the Word, how important it is. And to maintain your love for God and your love for His Word. And to tend to that relationship so that it flourishes because you need Him. You can't live your lives without Him. You can't do anything without the Lord. But with him, you can do all things, right? No, of course, he doesn't help us do sinful things. He doesn't violate his own word or himself. But for just in a straight line of living a life that honors God, that is good for you, that glorifies the Lord, that is full of peace, you need God's word. You need him. And not just the Bible going, oh, we're just going to remember the scriptures and, you know, kick the Holy Spirit out of it, and we're not listening to what he's revealing and how he's operating in us and asking us to or instructing us in how to cooperate with him. You need the fullness of who God is in your lives. And you have to cultivate that relationship. God is who he is. He's done all that he's going to do in that way. He already gave us Jesus, right? And Jesus said it's finished. He is seated at the right hand of the Father until he returns here again. So he's done his part. It's your job to cultivate it, to make sure that you stay in love with him and that you walk according to what he's called you to do. Amen. Okay? And you do it in peace, with a good attitude, in grace and in love. Okay? And with kindness. Amen. That's all I have to say. All right. Anyone have anything else?
All right. And who wants to close us out in prayer? Go for it, sir. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord, and giving us understanding of your word, Lord, so that way we can apply it to our lives, Lord. Lord, I also thank you for giving us your word so that way we don't have to make the same mistakes and that we can go through life knowing you, Lord, and not stumbling. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I just thank you for blessing this Bible study and making it Everybody who hears it and who's with us here today, Lord, is blessed by it and can learn, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you all. God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.